0: You're listening to the Geek Out Loud podcast, the official podcast of geekoutonline.com. <laughs> this is a Christmas song for two girls, okay? Maraquista This is it, the big Christmas episode of Geek Out Loud, where we're going to look at your emails, your Christmas list. We're going to talk about the things that we love about Christmas. So break out the eggnog, break out the presents, break out the Christmas tree, the lights, hang the stockings with care, because this is the Christmas edition of your safe place to geek out, the Geek Out Loud podcast. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Santa came down the chimney. With lots a little present for my bad business I don't mind telling you at all that leading up to this recording session for Geek Out Loud, I have literally been dancing and grooving and getting pepped up to do this episode for you, the people, the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe and i appreciate you being here with me my name is big Honkin' steve and i am your host for this your safe place to geek out this is the geek out loud podcast what we do around here is just talk about the things we love we geek out about the stuff that uh, is worth geeking out about and we try to keep the negativity out and keep the positivity in, and I want to thank you for joining me, and I want to say right off the bat, Merry Christmas, and I'm glad that you have chosen to uh, download this episode. Check us out, and I hope that it is entertaining for you, and a good time. Um, This is the second, uh, you know, I'm big on breaking the fourth wall. I feel like that for you to know what's happening, you've got to know me. This is the second time that I've sat down to record this episode of Geek Out Loud. I tried to do it earlier in the week it's It's actually Thursday right now at, at the time of this recording. It's December eighteenth, Thursday. and uh, you ever just have one of those weekends and one of those weeks where it just seems like nothing's gone right and and it was so it's almost laughable how pathetic the first time around recording this thing was i mean like literally there was no christmas cheer whatsoever and i'm trying to be all happy and i'm i mean i'm saying happy words but there was no cheer to them whatsoever and so i was just like man this stinks this is so bad i'm such an idiot and um and i discovered something that really peps me up and makes me feel good and on twitter which i hate uh, I have been for the past few days Doing some big honking dance parties And you know what it's not, I'm not going to say all the music's good music It's just all the music has a beat And you can groove to it And you can dance to it And that's what it's all about And I got to thinking I'm, I'm bound to determine after the new year And we may do this for kind of a new year celebration Thing for Geek Out Loud um, we, This is the last podcast until 2009 You know there's only a couple of weeks to go until then But um Instead of, uh, instead of like, what do we like about New Year's? Let's geek out about New Year's. I'm really considering a dance party geek out loud. So what I need for you to do is get your um, favorite songs into me. Just request of, of songs that you can dance to. And I, and I mean just get down and boogie, too. And and what we'll do is there's some licensing issues and that sort of thing, but we'll make it work, okay? Um, I'll, I'll try to get some requests on that sort of thing, and it's going to be like a dance radio show. It really is. It's going to be geek out. This is what I used to sit in my room when I was a little boy and do. I had a tape recorder and a little Casio keyboard synthesizer thing, and I would sit there, and I would record, like, fake Radio shows. I mean, I had my own little radio station name and everything. I'm not going to go into what it was here, but um, but I would, I would do, and I love doing it. And this is why I love the whole concept, if you will, of podcasting because it's what I have always enjoyed doing. And even though I know that we have a listening audience. we've got the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe. You're not very large, but you're there, and um, and I appreciate every single one of you. And so I just, it makes me happy to be able to do this and the more ideas i get i just want to like sling them on here like if i could just every day podcast and that be my job i would this would be a dream i mean this would be the life to lead because i absolutely enjoy what we're doing and and this has been this past year has just been great especially getting on track with geek out loud finally and kind of getting things out on a more regular and steady basis so uh so yeah here we are christmas time christmas is the time of year Mm. being with the ones you love sharing so much joy and cheer what a wonderful feeling watching the ones we love having so much fun i'm sorry i'm there is no telling what will come out today because i did the dance party i kind of got myself back into a frame of mind to be upbeat and peppy through this um and uh and and so when i get upbeat and peppy the songs flow forth all right it just happens it it happens and i can't can i mean i could help it but i don't want to help it i just want to do my thing i want to i want to do this here's the thing about you the greatest podcast listening audience on the face of the entire universe in in existence ever um we did the work you did the work of getting my podcast 100 plus reviews on iTunes. Outstanding. I mean, I was just so blown away and overwhelmed with the kindness and with the reception that this podcast has been has gotten from you guys. And, uh, that's right, you guys. I love you guys. I love you guys. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, and I felt like I don't want us to stagnate as, as an army, as a nation, as, as the Geek Out Loud family. I don't want us to get stale and stagnant, so I said, "What is the next challenge? What is the next thing?" And um, and, and it really hit me. One of the greatest podcasts out there right now on the internet is the Forcecast, which is a Star Wars podcast. If you're a Star Wars fan, you should be listening to it. And I said, "You know what, guys? Let's get Steve on the Forcecast on one of their Clone Wars roundtable discussions or something. Let's just let's at least make the Forcecast aware." Of the Geek Out Loud Nation, and I know many of you listen to that that uh, that podcast and enjoy it, and you know where I'm coming from. And and I just think it'd be cool for us, for me to give the Geek Out Loud Nation, you know, the Geek Out Loud Nation, just a shout out from to the Palatial cast Studios, and be like, Jimmy Mac, Jason, what's up, guys? To that end, we've tried several things. There's an email campaign going on right now. You can email Forcecast or Podcast rather at theforce.net with the subject heading. Um, Big honking idea, I think. I forget what we said it would be, but uh, but just let them know. Hey, here's an idea. Thought you might like this. And if they get enough, if they see the demands there, they'll get in touch with me because you want to keep the people happy as a podcaster. That's what you want to do. I I try to keep the people happy as a podcaster, and uh, and so you know, I know that that's what most of us try to do. We strive. I, I strive for the people, you guys. I mean, if if I can't bring. Just a slight teeny-weeny bit of happiness into your life through a podcast. I don't need to be podcasting. If you can't enjoy yourself while listening to this, then I shouldn't be doing it. So I hope that I hope that you get some happiness from this. I, I know that I enjoy the interaction I have with the listeners that, that do get in touch with me. So I thought, you know, what what else can we do? Who else can we call in um, to, to to get us there, to get us closer? And I thought, you know what, there's no one on the face of this planet more powerful than Santa Claus. So, letter to Santa. So, what I'm going to do is i want to write a letter to Santa, and, uh, and you just sit in on the writing of it, and, and you know, you might want to respond and tell me how you think it went or whatever, but uh, this is Steve um, writing a letter to Santa to ask for a guest spot on the Force cast this Christmas or, you know, as a present, but maybe it'll come down the road. I don't know. Anyhow, this is, this is me writing a letter to Santa. Okay, we're going to write this letter and get it done. Dear Santa Claus. No, no, doesn't work. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. Dear Santa. Yeah. Hey, it's Steve. Uh, haven't spoken to you in a while. I have been doing the jobs that you sent for me to do, and I appreciate you letting me uh, fill in for you in places. No, that sounds stupid, sounds stupid, sounds stupid. <clears throat> Dear Santa, hey, it's Big Honk and Steve. You know me, I just recently began working for you, and what an honor that has been, sir. I know that you're really busy this time of year, and I know that you have a lot going on, what with Christmas and everything. (laughs) Um, But I just wanted to see if I could put in my request with you. If it's not too much to ask, could you please get in touch? with Jason and Jimmy Mac from The Forcecast and ask them to let me be a guest host on their show. I know that this seems like a lot to ask, and I know that you can't grant me the ability to be on there, but if you could just put in a good word for me, I would really, really appreciate it. Thanks for your time, Santa. Have a Merry Christmas and expect cookies from me. Love, Steve. Oh, oh, oh. P.S. My friend Paolo, who listens to the show, wants a big millennium Falcon, if you could get that for him, I would really appreciate it. All right, all right, we're gonna uh, once I'm done recording, I'll I'll, uh, I'll fold that up, put an envelope, and send it off to the North Pole. Who knows what could come of it? That 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 could this could really be exciting stuff if Santa will get on board with me being on the force cast could be huge so um he's a good man he's a good guy Santa is i really really like santa claus well you know what that was kind of my christmas list a little bit let's jump into your emails and your christmas list oh the weather outside is frightful the All right, this is first so one comes delightful. from Tanner, since we've and Tanner says, if it'll open, snow, it snow, he says, Hey Steve, I've been listening since the 80s trilogy, and this is one of my new favorite podcasts. Well, glad to have you, Tanner. Although you do know me pretty well as I'm Exploding Man on the forums, Tanner, we need to have a talk about your forum etiquette. I thought I'd write in to tell you a topic that I think you should at least touch on. I give you the greatest parody artist of modern times, Weird Al Yankovic. He's been around since the 70s with his tapes to Dr. Demento. And I doubt many people would have gone through their life in the 80s without hearing at least one song by him. From My Bologna to Whatever You Like, he is the epitome of nostalgia, but he keeps coming back for more. I don't think you've ever talked about him or his music on your show before, so why not start on this monumental occasion? Now he had thought that I was that he got this in before I recorded the 25th ep- anniversary. Because on a side note, I want to tell you that I bought the Greatest American Hero theme song off of iTunes because I thought it was so awesome. It is awesome. And that's Tanner uh, from out in Arizona. Tanner, let's talk Weird Al Yankovic. That is fine with me. You know, Weird Al is, he, the thing about people, let me, let me figure out how I want to say this. A lot of people don't realize this, but to write a parody song is not an easy feat and especially the way that Weird Al does it. Now you can go on YouTube or you can go to some of these different mp3 download sites and that sort of thing and you can find people who attempt to do parodies. They attempt to um... to do stuff, okay? Uh, They they attempt to to make fun of a song or, or redo a song and it just comes off really bad because in my mind Number one, there are a few things that come to mind when I listen to Weird Al about what makes a good parody song. Number one, how much does it sound like the original? Production-wise, uh, instrumentation-wise, you know, is it? Are you just? Do you just have a melody uh, that sounds like the original, or are you literally copying production-wise, measure for measure, uh, beat for beat, uh, motif for motif? Um, are you are you doing? Are you taking almost a karaoke track that's a perfect karaoke track and using that because that's what Weird Al does. Weird Al recreates the song in almost as closely as the song is originally played. Many times it sounds just like it. If you took the words out of his songs and the other songs, you wouldn't know which one was the parody and which one was the real one. The other thing that he does is is the wording of a parody. Um, there, some people think that you can just throw in a word here or there or change some words here or there in a chorus and it'd be okay and you can kind of get off rhythm with some other words and stuff if you want to and that doesn't flow at all. You need to, you've got to match up the wording of your parody with, with, with beat for beat, rhythm for rhythm. You know, you've got to have the, sometimes if you can even get the same rhyme scheme in there, um, it really, it makes it that much better. As closely as you can get a song that you are that is a parody to the original song, then you have done a great job. And Weird Al does this. So what that tells me about him is, A, he is a talented musician, and B, he is an intelligent writer. And so, yeah, I think he is. And, and then take his comedy from that, and he's hilarious. He does an outstanding job. One of the songs that he did back in the 80s, that and this is surprising to me, because rarely rarely does a cover hold up, and rarely does a parody hold up to the original. He did a cover, or I did a parody rather, of the song Lola. and he did it to Yoda. It was the was the term. and uh, was was the parody. And Yoda rocks out a little bit more to me than Lola. I think it's a better song just to listen to and enjoy. Weird Al is outstanding, and, and he's also a bit of a nerd. I mean, he's got his superhero parody, or his Star Wars parodies he's done. He did Ode to a Superhero, parodying the Billy Joel song. Um, so he's, he's cool. If you've ever seen UHF, you know that he has a love for the same things that I guess we do as geeks. He really does. Have stuff, And he's got some Christmas stuff out too, Christmas at Ground Zero and that sort of thing. So, yeah, Weird Al's a great, great thing to geek out about. We should, uh, I, you know, he'd be a fun interview, I think. I think Weird Al would be someone fun to to interview. The next email comes from uh, Mike S. up in Sudbury, Ontario. Oh, no. um, hey, Mike. Hey. Eh? Uh, he says, hey, Big Honkin' Steve. Congrats on your 25th episode. Your show is still awesome. Oh, I appreciate that, Mike. These days, I'm reading comics like Deadpool, which is quickly becoming one of my favorite titles, Wolverine Essentials Volume 1, and some back issues of the Hulk. A game that I'm addicted to is Scarface. The world is yours. I have been spending hours playing it. I have a few questions that I'd like to ask you. Number one, if the Hulk were angry enough, do you think he would be able to break Wolverine's adamantium claws? Uh, You know what? The thing is, the, the Hulk would not only have to be angry, but he would have had to have come through... The conflict with Wolverine to the point that he's got his hands on Wolverine's claws ready to bend or break them relatively unscathed. The thing about Wolverine's claws is they can slash Hulk, they can cut Hulk, and if his body, if if as he's getting angrier and his body strength is going into his healing factor, then I don't know that he might have the physical strength then uh, to bend those claws. However, I do think it's very possible that the Hulk could get strong enough to bend Wolverine's claws. He may be Already strong enough to do so, so you know, um, it's it's the Hulk. The matter he gets, the stronger he gets. What do you? Who do you think would win in a no holds barred battle between Superman and the Savage Hulk? I want to clarify something. I don't like calling the Green Dumb Hulk the Savage Hulk because the Savage Hulk is actually, if you go back to uh, the nineteen eighties, uh, around Hulk number three hundred, what had happened was for the for a while there bruce banner had control of the hulk's mind and body so he would literally be bruce banner in the hulk's body and he would be able to communicate and talk and use the hulk's strength you know to his benefit and advantage with his mind fully intact things happen things progress they go through the secret wars he comes out he's a little grumpy he's a little angry he's not too nice and before you know it um the hulk has reasserted himself and completely taken over uh bruce banner for a while and he got so out of control they sent him to the crossroads of infinity um he was there for about uh mike bailey can help me out probably 12 issues maybe a year's worth of stuff of the hulk in the crossroads of infinity until the beyonder finally came along in secret wars 2 and let him out and then he was back on earth and they begin thus began the process of separating bruce banner from the hulk and when Bruce Banner was separated from Hulk, what you had then was a completely mindless monster that was running around with no real moral fiber or anything. But you find out they're both dying because of their separation because they're one and the same and they can't be separated from each other. So, anyhow, said that to say this, I don't like calling the Big Green Dumb Hulk the Savage Hulk because I don't know that savage is the right word to use for him. However... If he and Superman were to fight, I believe that you would find, in the end, mm, Superman may win. I, I, it might end up being a doomsday thing where they kill each other, unless Superman can just take him out quick. Superman's got so much more on him than the Hulk. If it's no holds barred, if you're saying Superman can use his speed, his heat vision, his super breath, he can, I really think he'd end up outsmarting, and and really, if he can go toe-to-toe, even strength-to-strength, um, no matter how mad the Hulk gets, you still Superman's still f- pretty much invulnerable, and I think that you would see that Superman would probably come out in the end. Uh, then he says, uh, "Superman ver- or sorry, Hulk versus Doomsday." This is a different story for me because I think the thing about the Hulk is is if Bruce Banner will let him loose and he and he is allowed to become savage here i think you've got two opposing forces that are almost equal with the exception that i don't know that the hulk would get tired in a fight with doomsday that's what happened with superman is he just his batteries begin to wear down and obviously doomsday was too you know his batteries were starting to wear down a bit too and so i think that and this is this is something that would destroy literally the continental united states if these two went at it serious business i think it would be probably one of the scariest most amazing things to ever see the hulk and doomsday like they're real or something i'm sitting here talking um but i I think that i think that hulk would end up winning that i think that he would because of his anger the more doomsday hits him the angrier he would get he would hit back it would be it it would be an amazing battle though i'd like to see that someday Hulk versus Darkseid, again, I don't know. I, I'm, hmm. That's almost a Hulk versus Thor question. I think you either end up in a stalemate or maybe Darkseid wins. I mean, he is one of the new gods. He, I think he Darkseid's got powers beyond what the Hulk can tap into. And as much as it pains me to say it, I think in a no-holds-barred battle, I think Darkseid would end up winning that one. And finally, this question, why is it that you don't like Star Trek? <sighs> Mike, it's not that I don't like Star Trek. It's that I love Star Wars. You know, of the three star franchises, Star Trek, Star Wars, and Star Search, don't forget to eat a Star Crunch while you're enjoying them. I just don't... I've never really connected with Star Trek the way I have Star Wars. And I don't... You know, I mean, I can't really put my hand on any one thing of why that is. I think maybe Star Trek's a little too preachy. You know, if, it's, if anything, Star Trek and all of its car- incarnations is a little too preachy for me. I just don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy sometimes the, the morality tales that are shoved down my throat by Star Trek. I don't enjoy the... There's some times where it's just really, I don't know, weird with some of the sexual tensions that go on and stuff. And I'm like, well, this really makes me feel uncomfortable, you know? Um, I, I enjoy Star Trek. I do. I, I'm looking forward to the movie. May, probably because I've heard this quote that Star Trek, the new Star Trek movie that J.J. Abrams is making is a Star Trek movie for Star Wars fans, so that may be why I'm looking forward to it so much, because it does look to be incredible. So, um, it's not that I... And and two, it's also a joke that has been with the site from the get-go. I'm not against Trekkies. It's just that is the one joke. That is the that is the one that's like me saying I accept everybody as a geek except for Trekkies. you know it's just me kind of and maybe it's in poor taste I, I try not to be too hard on my Trekkie brethren because I enjoy Star Trek as much as the next guy so you know, as much as the next geek I'm just I, I'm not a Trekkie but I do enjoy Star Trek so I, I just don't I just love Star Wars and so I think there's your difference there moving on in the emails moving on to a new one This one comes from Logan, up in Columbus, Georgia. Logan says, Hi Steve, I recently started to listen to your podcast via iTunes, and I'm loving it so far, though we do disagree on some things. The first episode I listened to was your Star Wars episodes, but I'm one of those fanboys that is constantly dismissing the prequels, and I hate the special editions. But hearing you geek out about the prequels forced me to rewatch them and I've changed my tune, but just a bit. I think episode two is actually the strongest of the bunch and episode three is the weakest story-wise as well as acting. I think the same of the original trilogy as well, a little ironic maybe. But you did get me to watch them with fresh eyes and while they don't touch the classics, I think, yeah, maybe they do hold up as decent enough flicks. Also, I'm absolutely loving The Clone Wars. And looking forward to checking out the Clone Wars podcast. Still not liking the special editions much, though. But some of the changes are okay. The voice of the stormtroopers, the Emperor, the cosmetic stuff. I want to address the problems with people when they talk about the special edition changes. I mean, what really are are we griping about? If you look at Empire Strikes Back, outside of the DVD release, and even on the DVD release, all they've done is stick Ian McDiarmid into the role of the Emperor and have him redub those lines. And it works, and what they do is they really kind of thicken the plot between what's going on between the Emperor and Darth Vader. Empire was relatively untouched outside of the cosmetic things that was done, that were done to Cloud City. And it is amazing what they did to Cloud City. You watch the originals in Cloud City, then you watch the new ones and and it feels a lot more like an organic, organic is probably the wrong word, but it, it feels more livable. When you look at what they've done with Cloud City and the special editions, as opposed to the way it was originally, then when we talk, when you talk a New Hope, uh, you know, if you want to gripe about Greedo shooting, that's okay with me. I can jump on board that. If you have a problem with the Jabba scene, you know, my thing is with Jabba, more than it was cut because they couldn't get the right look for Jabba, I feel like it was cut because it was rehashing the dialogue that Han had already had with Greedo. I mean, there was nothing really new there. That was said or done, so I didn't have a problem with it at all. I thought, you know, I mean, it didn't do anything to mess up the story. It didn't do anything to mess up the the, the movement of the uh, of anything. I just, I mean, there's no sense in saying I hate this because Job is in it. As far as the approach to the cantina goes, the approach to Moss Isley with uh, Luke and Ben and the Sandspeeder, all you're doing is getting a longer shot and a bigger shot of what Moss Iceley actually looks like, and you're seeing more of the local life and. You know, there's a few gags there the the Jawa falling off the Ronto and the and the droid you know picking up the thing and the little camera droid you know I, and if you have a problem with just random comedy elements being thrown in i can see where you would have a problem with that but outside of that why you know that we do see the outrider from one of the most hailed star wars novels of all time dark uh, dark empire wait shadows of the empire which is the 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 novel that was written to take place between episodes four and or five and six rather um but yeah there's dash rendar's outrider coming up out of there i mean what a nod to the fans it just kind of bothers me that lucas went through a lot of trouble to make things better not just for himself but for the fans and people just kind of like thumb you know just stick their thumb in his eye over the situation the death star battle at the end looks amazing hello oh that looks amazing with those planes flying all over the place and those spaceships fighting one another, shoot, that is amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't understand. Then when you hit Jedi, yeah, they they've changed the musical number in Jabba's Palace. Okay, um, they added in the shot of, of Ula, the dancer, you know, falling down into the pit and freaking out. Uh, they they made the Rancor battle with Luke looked that much more realistic I mean it it totally took away some of the the stop motion elements where you could see the blue screen and the lines and that sort of thing they did a great job with the work they did if you don't like the beak on the Sarlacc hey that's an aesthetic thing I was surprised they were able to make it work to be honest with you Um, but they did And, uh, you know, it's just a beat. It doesn't change how good the story is, and it doesn't change how well things went. You got a problem with the musical number? It was just a musical number. It was as out of place in the original release of the movie as it is now. It's just a little bit longer, and there are more things going on. I, I I mean, I like the original music number in Jabba's Palace better. It just rocks out more to me. But... I don't, you know, I'm not going to sit there and be like, wow, I really hate that he did this. It ruins the movie. And then when the Ewok song at the end, I miss the Ewok song more than anything else out of the special editions. I truly, truly miss the Ewok song. Um, and I wish they would have figured out a way to do the Ewok song and then cut into this other stuff because just, I love the old Ewok song. Um... But you know, and and then there is on the DVDs, Anakin as Hayden Christensen as Anakin showing up as a spirit. <clears throat> I can split hairs with George on that. I think I could, you know, I think I could sit there and and have a conversation with George. Well, you know, uh, when Anakin turned to the dark side, he was a young man, and uh, and and of course, you know, they, that's why Obi Wan said he died because he turned to the dark side. The good man that was Anakin died. And so the man who comes back is this young Anakin. To which I would say, well, he came back alive, you know, he came back to the light side while he was still alive and an older man. So shouldn't he be that middle-aged guy standing there? No, no, I like like Hayden there in in return. So, you know what? I'm going to give George Hayden Christensen and let him do it. Because it doesn't ruin the movie for me. It doesn't ruin the story. And so I can't, I don't understand hating the special editions, other than the fact that wow, this feels a little different than what it used to. I, I don't, I don't get that. Um, and he goes on to say, I'm on the questions that really aren't questions. This is kind of this is this one's kind of a theory. A friend of mine, a friend and I have, when Luke is training on Dagobah, he really seems to accomplish a lot in a short amount of time. Since he leaves to go to rescue his friends and abandons his training, or maybe it isn't so short could Luke, like Anakin before him, possibly have been seeing into the future? That, while it seems the events are happening simultaneously, Luke may have been on Dagobah for quite a while. So that basically we see him in the past and Han and Leia in the present. I hope that makes sense. It does make sense, and what you need to know is when Luke has that first vision of uh, Han and Leia on in torture, in pain, uh, and he falls over, you know, he's standing on his hands or whatever, Yoda says, it's the future you see. And... Luke says, well, they die, and he says, you know, cloud of the future is, always in motion is the future, that co- sort of thing. Um, and what happens from that point on is you get the idea that Luke is on Dagobah doing a little bit more training because when he's getting ready to leave a few scenes later, he says, I can't get the vision out of my head. They're my friends. I have to help them. And the truth of the matter is, is, yeah, Luke was probably on Dagobah a lot longer than what we get the idea he was in that movie. He left Hoth and he had hyperdrive enabled to get to wherever Dagobah was. Um, You know one night he meets Yoda and the next day he's training so it it could have been a while. Han and Leia were traveling through space and they got got a pretty good distance away from where Hoth was and that sort of thing um, without the benefit of hyperspace. In fact when they got dropped by the Star Destroyers and stuff they had to find a place that was close enough to get to um, in, in the form of Bespin. So, yeah, I think, I think you're right there. I think Luke, and that, and that would account for a lot of his being able. Now, of course, we already know he was using the Force, feeling the Force. We saw it at the beginning of the movie as he was hanging upside down in the Wampa Cave. We know that he was able to use the Force, and you get the idea that maybe he had taken some of the stuff that Ben had shown him um, in Episode 4 and between Episodes 4 and 5, really worked on some meditation, feeling the Force flow through him and that sort of thing. Uh, second, he says, in the special edition of episode six, there's a girl who looks a lot like Ara Sing in Jabba's palace. I'm relatively sure it isn't her since she sings and dances, I think, but she looks just like her. One of your thoughts, not Aura Sing. Ara Sing is the only time we ever see her is in episode one, The Phantom Menace. One last thing outside of comic. One last thing, I know you mentioned Spaceballs and Robot Chicken. Uh, what the heck is an aluminum falcon? But you've caught? Have you caught any other Star Wars spoofs? Troops was an excellent short. Troops was very good, as was George Lucas in Love. I don't think I've seen George Lucas in Love. Family Guy was hit and miss. Though I love the Family Guy Star Wars special, Blue Harvest. I can't wait for something, something, something Dark Side. Oh, and why can't I find a podcast on iTunes for episode fifteen? Let me let me talk about tra- uh, spoofs real quick. Um, in the vein of parodies, as we've already discussed today on the show. Spaceballs is great. Spaceballs is wonderful. The original would be Hardware Wars. You need to check that out. The Muppet Babies did some fun things with Star Wars back in the day as well. The Muppet Show had some good Star Wars stuff uh, in one episode where Mark Hamill was the guest host along with 3PO and R2-D2. And I think that uh, I think that th- though they're not spoofs, there is some funny stuff that takes place. So you, you would do well to check those things out. Also... Um, As far as the podcast not being before episode 15, I think they keep like 10 episodes up of my podcast for some reason on iTunes. It's something about the feed or the way the feed works. You can go to geekoutpodcast.com, scroll down the bottom, click on older entries and go back and you can find the other ones. There's really no sense in listening. You need to listen to episode 14, which was our Muppets episode. Before that, there's really no sense in listening to anything else with Geek Out Loud. It's, It's pretty bad. It's not the best podcast in the world and i'm surprised that the geek out loud nation has stuck with me this long so hey once again i appreciate you guys and that one was from logan yes my real name down in columbus georgia and he gives the he gives the georgia bulldogs a shout out go dogs Sick 'em! woof 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 you're with me logan you know what i'm talking about ladies uh this one comes from tim <clears throat> about the 25th He says, uh, just listen to your 25th anniversary. It was really fantastic. Thanks, Tim. Do have some late requests. And he talks about pics of the Star Wars room. And then he says, even though I haven't seen any of the Star Wars movies, Tim, Tim, you make me sad. And I'm going to keep a promise to an old friend right now, to quote Luke, by the way. I'm going to keep a promise to a friend. Tim, let me encourage you to do this. You go out and you rent episodes four, five, and six the original trilogy. If you Netflix them, you know, do that. If you um, if you have a local video store that has them, go get that. I would go ahead and tell you buy them. But episodes four, five, and six, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. This is what we call the original trilogy. Uh, if you're going to watch them by yourself, don't call and ask anybody any questions. Just watch the things. I'm sure you know the big spoiler from Empire Strikes Back and so there's no sense really in talking much about that And just let yourself when you start episode four there's an opening crawl in star wars every every movie starts out with an opening crawl that kind of gets you up to speed on what's going on from that point just say here's what i know And the opening crawl is it is a period of civil war rebel spies uh, rebels have managed to uh, win their first victory against the evil galactic empire rebel spies striking from a hidden base have uh... stolen the secret plans the empire's most dreaded weapon the d- the deadly death star or the dreaded death star uh, space sta- an armored space station with enough firepower to destroy an entire planet um, custodian of the stolen battle plans Princess Leia re- races home aboard her starship custodian of the plans that could save her people and bring freedom to the galaxy you uh, that was terrible quotation by the way of the thing. Um, but basically, what I'm saying is, is just there. You are in the story. Go from there. Okay. Start with episode four. Go from there. Once you've watched through episodes four, five, and six, then go back and watch the backstory of episodes one, two, and three. Um, and and I and I made a promise uh, several several moons ago to someone that the next time I try to get someone into Star Wars. I would introduce it to them, 4, 5, and 6, and then 1, 2, and 3. So you, sir, are the fulfillment of that promise. And I would tell you to do that, and I want to hear from you, and let me know how it goes. All right? The second thing he says is, can you talk about new Krypton? So far, I'm loving it. Would love to hear your thoughts on Doomsday, Allura, Line, Gazorel, and everything else. And that's from Tim. Tim, I am reading new Krypton. I haven't been able to catch up on it like I'd like. My comic buying has kind of decreased a little bit, so I don't have all the parts. Doomsday showing up was cool to me, but then the fight and I knew it would be short because you had 100,000 Kryptonians able to kind of take him on and beat him to the bloody pulp that they did. Uh what was more interesting to me was Superman finally putting his putting his foot down with these new Kryptonians and saying there's rules here you've got to abide by, and all these villains being rounded up and put in the Phantom Zone, and I'm interested to see what happens with Monel in the Phantom Zone. I'm interested to see what happens with this whole situation now because now it feels like it's getting more and more ramped up. I mean, it just it it keeps it's a it is a there is a tension that keeps building and building and building, and you know it's just going to break loose. Uh, so really have been enjoying New Krypton what I've been able to read. Thus far, you the person to talk to about that is Mike Bailey over at Views from the Long Box. This one comes from Brian. He says, Hiya, Steve. This is Brian from Ohio, and this is actually the first mail I've ever sent to one of the podcasts I listened to. I first heard you on the Skynex podcast and have since found my way to Geek Out Loud, the official podcast of geekoutonline.com. I must say, I'm listening, I must say, listening to you makes me feel like I'm sitting around chatting with an old friend. We have so many similar interests, while at the same time, we differ just enough to make for an interesting conversation. I think it's so awesome. He goes on to talk about some other stuff, and um, and he says, uh, "Let me find where he gets back down to it." He says, "Want to thank, you, say thanks again uh, for all that you do for the Geek Out Loud universe, and congrats on your 25th anniversary." As a way of introducing you to my personal geek verse, I was going to e- include in this email, a top 10 favorite movies of all time, but because of the substantial length, and it was rather long, but it was awesome. I really appreciate uh, you you writing in there he says i will save that for some time in the future um he says uh he says i read that your favorite book is the monster in this book starring lovable furry old grover i just about cheered out loud at work i love that book growing up and recently found it at kmart when they had their children's halloween books out it's now sitting on our, bo- our shelf of books for our future son or daughter uh dude i can't tell you how much i love grover i can't tell you how much i love that book as a kid um i appreciate the email he said so many nice and i and i kind of forgotten what he'd said in this and so i just he said so many nice things i hated to to read it um you know he uh he is married i'm not ladies uh that was the most unenthusiastic ladies ever ladies uh there you go so uh brian thanks for emailing first time emailer there appreciate you hearing from you brian This one comes from Matthew. Want to email you from across the pond and tell you how great you and your show are. I'm a geek through and through. I collect comics. I play video games. I'm a massive cinema fan. I love all things sci-fi from Doctor Who all the way through to Star Wars. I also love geekdom on the small screen, especially Smallville Heroes Doctor Who slash Torchwood. And I listen to you. Brings it together all, all in one place where I can geek out. Living in the UK and being a geek is not easy. We don't have much stuff going on. My dream is to get to one of the big comic cons in the States. Who knows, maybe one day we can meet up and geek out at one of the shows. Uh, from a member of the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe, Matt. Matt, thanks for listening way over there across the pond. It excites the international listeners that this show has, and that and that I've been able to interact with since beginning this show. Really excites me. I mean, you—it's so neat to know that people over around the world are just kind of bought into the things i'm bought into i want to talk to you about doctor who real quick i've watched a few episodes of doctor who i've i made a promise another promise to another friend that i would do doctor who at one point um and if all goes well the weekend of january 17th i'll have a guest on the show and we will be talking doctor who he's going to guide me through a discussion of doctor who and we're going to geek out about doctor who for all the doctor who fans and what you'll hear me talk about is the stuff that i'm familiarize myself with so far. I've watched about half the season uh with Christopher Eccleston as the doctor and I've seen two episodes I think of David Tennant as the doctor. Love Christopher Eccleston as the doctor. Apparently I fall into the mold of your first doctor is always your favorite. I really think the show is cool. I'm gonna tell you straight up. I I don't I don't know that I could be one of these fans who's just so into it and and, you know picks apart every little thing. I, I do think the show is cool and it's great to watch. And, uh, and it's interesting to me, the age group, their target audience. It, it, it surprised me when I found out what it was. But, um, but Matt, it's so great to hear from you across the pond. Thanks for emailing in, and, uh, and I hope you continue to listen, and I hope you continue to enjoy the show. This one comes from Jeff. I'm proud to call myself a member of the Geek Out Loud Nation. It's an awesome being part of the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe. I enjoyed the 80s retrospective and knowing more about you and what you do and why you do it. Wow. Uh, you really make this like a conversation with friends. And I'll try to keep this short, and I want to pick your brain. I recently started hearing the word campy mentioned on the podcast. It came when talking about the Batman movies from the 80s, and I wanted to get a clearer picture on what constitutes campiness, in your opinion. This is a new word in my vocab, so I'd appreciate your thoughts. Also, considering their age, do you think the Superman films, aside from Returns, were campy? Also, have you done a segment on the Donner Cut versus the regular cut of Superman 2? What's all the hype? All right, his number one was three different things. Uh, we're going to start with a discussion of what is campy Um, when you talk about camp okay you're talking about uh... not comic relief because comic relief is um... comic relief is okay comic relief is a necessity in drama it's a necessity in in uh... in, in in action It's a necessity in all these other genres because what comic relief does for the viewer or the participant of the of whatever they're watching, if it's a movie or a TV show, comic relief gives you a moment to breathe in the midst of everything that's going on. You know, The Dark Knight this summer, one of the, one of the greatest movies ever, that people will say, especially geeks, had moments of comic relief. You know, some was the Joker doing his thing, but one of the most poignant moments of comic relief I can think of is... After Rachel has died, after Harvey has been injured, you know, things are so dark, things are so bleak. The next day on the television show, the accountant's getting ready to out Bruce Wayne as Batman. And the Joker calls in and says, I'm going to blow up a hospital in an hour if this guy's not dead. And so Bruce Wayne's leaving the penthouse, and Alfred says, will you be wanting the bat pod? And he says, in the daytime, Alfred? It's not very... uh, what's what's the word he uses that's not very uh subtle and alfred says the lamborghini then that's much more you know he kind of mutters under his breath much more subtle um the idea of of that is not camp that's that's comic relief because we've just been through an ordeal as an audience um I, i don't think anyone expected to watch rachel die the way she did in in dark Knight, and so you needed a moment to breathe, and that whole segment ends with the conversation of Bruce and Jim Gordon. And he says, "What trying to catch the?" Light? He said, "That was a heroic thing he did." He said, "What trying to catch the light?" And uh, and Jim Gordon said, "Do you not know what's going on?" He's like, "No." Should I? Who's in there? You know, and he's like, "Should I get to the hospital or something?" And Gordon's like, "You don't watch much TV, do you?" Um, comic relief, not camp. Now, camp is more along the lines of we don't mean to be funny but it's come off as funny or we're trying to be cute with this Uh, batman and robin was full of camp uh it was full of just a lot of things joel schumacher allowed to be a part of it that that really had you know no business being in a batman movie at all a batman forever credit card You know, that kind of thing. So uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to define um, camp and campiness. Um, Let me see if I can find something, something that provides sophisticated knowing amusement as by virtue of its being artlessly mannered or stylized self-consciously artificial and extravagant or teasingly ingenuous and sentimental a person who adopts a teasing theatrical manner especially for the amusement of others um it it it's the short short simple it is when a movie realizes that You may not, or a TV show realizes you might not be able to take this material seriously, so we're just going to poke fun at ourselves the entire way through. The Batman, the original Batman series, did that. You know, they just played everything super sincerely, and with a super, with with just a a super sincerity that um, made it over the top almost. And kids loved it, and people loved it, but it was kind of what comic books were viewed as back then. You know this overly stylized concept of of good and evil and who Batman was and that sort of thing. And that's what campy is. I don't think the Superman films are campy. I think because they never sought to do that to themselves. Superman 3 tried to be funny. Superman 3 tried to be cute. Superman 4 tried to be poignant, and it just didn't come off that way. Your comic relief moments were supposed to be with Clark, and there was a little too much that kind of stuff in there in both of those movies. Um... And so I don't think that they were ever intended to be campy. Um, And they weren't. I don't think they were. When it comes to the Donner cut versus the theatrical cut of Superman 2, we'll have to talk about that at some other time. I will say that I love them both for different reasons. From a comic book novice like myself, says Jeff, I wanted to get some definitions cleared up. What are trades in comparison with regular comics? Story arcs compared to storylines and detective comics. What are these? DC Comics? Um, We'll start with detective comics. Detective Comics is a title within the company of DC Comics. DC Comics named itself for its most successful title Detective Comics way back in the day. But Detective Comics is just one title that they produce and it features Batman in that title. When you're talking about trades, trades are collections of a full story arc that comic book companies a year later, six months after the story arc has ended will put together in sometimes a hardbound fashion sometimes just a paperback fashion to be sold to bookstores so if you go to a Barnes and Noble a Books a Million, uh, a Borders you can find a section that has these graphic novels or these trades there Uh, regular comics are the issues that come out monthly they're usually 28 to 32 pages long sometimes longer depending on what you're paying for that sort of thing and um with ads and that sort of thing, I think you end up with like 22 pages of story, and and they there'll be cliffhangers at the end where you have to wait till next week or next month to find out what's going on. They're very serialized in their storytelling. You get some done in one issues, that sort of thing. But uh, that's what that's the difference between the trades and, and and like the regular comic books. Story arc is a storyline. Um, an arc may may be a, a finite amount of time. For example. You might have a situation start out in the new Krypton situation that's going on right now in Superman in Action Comics. You know, it starts out in the arc, lasts for a few months, and then it's over. But the storyline of Superman continues to go if you want to differentiate it that way. I'll use story arc and storyline interchangeably. Uh, finally, for a guy like me that likes Batman, Superman, and Spider-Man and wants to get into comics, can you recommend a great trade or story arc? Um... Mm. I would say, would Superman pick up, um, pick up the Last Son trade, which was written by Richard Donner and Jeff Johns, and it's a great, great trade. Pick up Last Son, start there. Just have fun. From that point, I would just jump into comics. I would just jump. I would pick up character, and jump in. I would jump in on Detective Comics with Paul, written by Paul Dini. I would jump on to the Superman book. I would jump on the action comics. If you like Spider-Man, I just jump on Amazing Spider-Man and just and 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 pick up as you go and you and you'll get the gist of what's going on. So Jeff, thanks for emailing in. I appreciate you. And we need to wrap this up too. Um so let's do that with this one from Heidi. She says, Hey Steve, episode twenty-five was great. Thank you for such a fun podcast. You asked us to write in with our Christmas list, so here's mine. I want a Nintendo Wii with a Force Unleashed game, a Blu-ray player, DVDs or Blu-rays, depending on if I get the player. The Dark Knight, Back to the Future Trilogy, Jurassic Park Trilogy, Star Wars Episodes 1 and 2, she only has that on VHS, Batman Begins, the first season of Chuck, and every year I have to have my Smallville and Buffy calendars. That's this year's, that's my very geeky Christmas list, uh, why I ask for useful things when you can get fun stuff. I agree. And he said, and, so, uh, and she says she wants me to talk about Christmas Vacation, and we'll get there, Heidi, we'll get there. So Heidi, thanks for that. Um, you know, we're about to find out, and you're about to see that that you are not alone, Heidi. And I don't think many of us are when it comes to our geeky Christmas list. Every year, as the family's getting ready to do Christmas, I'll come in. Because I had a year one year. And listen, I love Christmas. I know what Christmas is all about. I understand that it's about giving, not getting, blah, 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 blah. But one Christmas, I had a Christmas where all I got was clothes. And I was just sitting there at the end of the day. Nothing to play with. Nothing to put together. Nothing pretty to look at. And I was like, you know what? Screw this. So the next year, I took a piece of paper and I wrote at the top, things that will make Christmas fun for Steve. And I just made out a little, I put down some DVDs that I was wanting. I put down Star Wars toys. I put down uh, some different things, you know, and, and just handed it off to the family and said, here you go. I want to have fun at Christmas, and I know you do too, and, and we try to make Christmas fun for each other, and, and I can't tell every year there's DVDs and DVDs on my list, and so, but listen to this, this one comes from Joseph, he says, Dear Santa Steve, I want the entire Star Wars saga on DVD, I know I should give back my geek card for not having this, you should give back your geek card for not having that, a new TV, the one I have is 15 years old, I would love to upgrade to HD, I will hopefully be upgrading to HD by the end of January, middle of February the HD cable package to go with my new TV, Iron Man, Dark Knight, Hulk and Hellboy 2 on DVD and an iPhone. That's from Joseph. Now there's he brings in the gadget aspect of things with the iPhone, but he's also got the DVDs there. He's got the TV situation going on. It makes me sad you don't have the Star Wars saga on DVD. I, I should send that to you. I Listen, when I find out someone doesn't have Star Wars on DVD, I feel like it's my personal mission to get them Star Wars on DVD. I just love giving people Star Wars. Uh, in my mind, there you can give no greater gift than the gift of Star Wars at Christmas. Uh, this one comes from Dave, also known as Phantom Slayer. He's Dave Jones, ladies and gentlemen. Davey Jones, what fortuitous circumstances be this? He says, I want the Trial of the Time Lord box set, Doctor Who. That's a Doctor Who thing. That's DVDs as well. Luke Skywalker, Omnibus from Dark Horse Comics, various Star Wars novels, Star Trek fan collection, the alternate reality. Dang. I can't believe you wrote. Mm. The JLA Avengers trade. JLA Avengers was a good miniseries that I really enjoyed. I still need to get the last issue of it. Uh, George Perez did the art. I forget who did the writing, but it was so good. And it was so neat to see all these different incarnations of the JLA and the Avengers and as time just collided. It was Crisis on Marvel and DC Infinite Worlds or whatever. And then the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Omnibus. So Dave, Dave runs the, um, the Vortex. He and his friend Sammy do the Vortex, Vortex podcast, do a great job. They're very much into sci-fi, as you can see from that thing. Uh, and, but there were also DVDs on that. It, I'm just amazed at the DVDs. Three lists so far, three DVDs. Um, or three people asking for DVDs check this out, this comes from she's known as MR Lover on the forum she says, Batman, the animated series, complete DVD set OMG, it's so awesome I want it so bad Uh, the Dark Knight DVD, the Iron Man DVD, the Indy 4 DVD and the BBC Audio the complete Sherlock Holmes radio collection that's an audio book and that's about it, she says, but what I really want most is the Batman, the animated series collection more DVDs, I mean like, it's amazing how happy we are with our TV viewing This comes from Jen. She says I want an Xbox, a Mac laptop, Monroeville zombie hoodie, and, ladies and gentlemen, the Dark Knight DVD. So there is Jen's in with most. uh, Well, I don't know. Joseph had the whole high def thing. He wanted the Xbox and the Mac laptop. Could though put Jen on top with for the most expensive Christmas list. right now. This one comes from Steven. He says, I want a PS3. I want Left 4 Dead for the 360. I want an iPhone. I want Ray-Ban Wayfarers. I want a new computer, preferably a MacBook. I want an official Red Ryder Carbine Action 200 shot range model air rifle. Oh, shoot your eye out, kid. Dave, uh, Steven's the first person not to want DVDs. He does want a game for his Xbox 360, but he also wants that PS3. PS3, iPhone, the Ray-Bans, and the MacBook. It's a three-way, I mean, I don't know. I'd love for someone to do the numbers on this and email me just for my own personal uh, enjoyment to see what, who's going to be spending the most. I know that with Joseph, let's say with Joseph, you're going with a typical 32 to 37-inch high-def TV, and, you know, and that's the price range you're going to use. MR mm-hmm. Lover sticks in another DVD. She says, I forgot I wanted the Nightmare Before Christmas special edition DVD. This one comes from my buddy Corey, and he says on iPhone 3G, 32 inch HD TV, HD TV, a Blu-ray player. I guess a PS3 will do. Smallville season seven on Blu-ray. I'll come back when I have more for the list. Um, he says thank you. I'll expect them on the 25th. So, and people are addressing this to Dear Santa Steve, because I'm just moving. I'm just forwarding these things to Santa Claus. Corey might have kind of. I tell you what, you guys, you guys with your expensive christmas list for crying out loud good night um let's see who else we've got here i know we've got one from mars dweller she says dear santa and this is a neat little letter she says i often wonder if you're internet savvy enough to know that i have an amazon wish list Yet I've heard from this wonderful podcast that you have people working for you that are. I think that is fabulous. What is your filing system like? It would help us to better know so that we can send our list in the correct order, sorted by price, category, alphabetically, most desired. The best way to send Santa a list is by most desired. Go from most desired to least desired so that... He knows what to work on best. If you go alphabetically, it's hit and miss sometimes with the big man. He, uh, he does get on the Internet. You know, I saw the Muppets show had it so wrong last night. I love that new Muppets Christmas special that came on last night, but they had it so wrong. There's Internet connection at in the North Pole. Trust me. I've often wondered this, especially on the years I've asked for a pony, and you delivered my heart's true desire. How did you know I really wanted a kitten and a bicycle? Santa has this neat. Listen, he's, that was the greatest year. Then the year all I asked for was Pink void on the wall, on the wall, on vinyl, and you saw fit to give me that and some school clothes. How do you always know? Here is what Santa does. Santa has a formula that is known only to him. It's a mathematical formula where he takes what you ask for, and there is the the factors that are involved are space. Um, and the ability to handle such a gift, that sort of thing. It's divided by that. You add some things to it. You throw in the niceness slash the naughtiness. And all these different things work into this formula, and out comes what it is you really can deal with and what would really make Christmas good. So if you ask for a pony, Santa plugs in the formula, and out comes bicycle and a kitten. And it works out great because you said you were happy. If you all you get, all you ask for is a CD or a DVD or a record. Santa plugs that in, and what it does is it then multiplies. It's it's. He takes off the divide. I know that he removes the whole space issue because space is no longer an issue, and it's just multiplied by need. And so you get some things that you may be surprised that you wanted or needed, that sort of thing. That's how Santa rolls. So this year I've decided I really want to expand my entertainment library. Guess what, people? More DVDs. Uh, complete series, I want the following. Big Bang Theory, Tomorrow People, Thundercats, Smallville, Movies, Dark Knight, Secret of Nim, Kroll, Kroll. Hmm. Iron Man, The Dark Crystal, Flash Gordon, then of course what list would be complete without video games, We Lego, Batman, Wii Star Wars, The Force Unleashed, and We Mario Kart. Wow, I know this list is long. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to read it. And Santa likes cookies. She asked about choice refreshments. Uh, there would be cookies, not sugar cookies because that's just kind of cheap. Uh, chocolate chip. Well, actually, sugar, if there's icing on them, Santa loves those. Uh, chocolate chip are really good. Actually, Santa loves sugar cookies. He's going to get on to me now. I'm Man. But, yeah, so cookies and milk, Santa absolutely loves. Uh, he says... And I shall lock the guard dog in my bedroom on Christmas Eve. I want to apologize for last year. I've replaced your socks. How she got through them got to them through your boots, I will never know. Well Santa was on a really worn down pair of boots last year, and so he's he's replaced those. MR Lover chimes back in. Oh crap, I forgot I want Smallville season seven on DVD as well. This one comes from Andrea. She says, ooh, stuff that I actually want, I don't know what to do. A Serenity sequel, may as well shoot for the stars. The Millennium Falcon playset, I want that too. An iPhone iPhone 3G, a 32 gig iPod touch, Twilight box set for the new moon movie, not to be screwed up too badly. Indiana Jones collector's edition DVD box set, Buffy seasons one through seven, but Angel seasons one through five box sets. Battlestar Galactica seasons 1 through 3, Dragon Con 2009 tickets, and a hotel room in the Marriott. Gaming laptop uh, slash desktop, so I can actually play games I want to play. I'm not too picky, just one that WoW can be played on. Yeah, so that's all I can think of off the top of my head. I'm sure there's more, but I can't think of it right now. That was plenty. I mean, you were very specific there, Andrea, so thank you for that. And this one comes from Faith. She says, Dear Santa Steve, I want... Ticket and transportation to Dragon Con. A new TV. The hand-me-down that I got from a friend when she got married. Stopped working as soon as I used it for the first time. An iPhone. Seasons 1, 2, and 4 through 7 of Buffy. Seasons 2, 4, and 7 of Smallville. Serenity. Star Wars Clone Wars. A second monitor for my laptop. A bunny. What you gonna do with a bunny in college? A bunny. Wow. Books 5 and beyond of the new Jedi Order. Uh, Stephanie Meyer to get over herself and finish Midnight Sun. <laughs> Wait, didn't someone else say that somewhere? Uh, anyhow, um, and a plane ticket to visit the University of Chicago, and uh, and of course the people enjoyed the, uh, the Stephanie Meyer comment. We've got several responses to that. So I, you know what? I could care less if Stephanie Meyer gets over herself and finishes whatever book she's got to finish in her sequence of things you know what we may turn our attention away from the Trekkie hate and go to Twilight fan hatred and of course that'd turn off most of our listeners so we might not do um that's our emails that's your Christmas list and, and so thanks for getting those in I wish you the best I hope you rack up what's gotta happen is now we need to find out what what was the geekiest thing or what was your favorite geek thing or what did you get for Christmas that just absolutely made Christmas fun well, it is Christmas time, and that brings Christmas specials. That brings Christmas movies. There's things that people do every year. As traditions and that sort of thing. Charlie Brown Christmas special is one that is watched every year. It used to be watched every year around my house, and I hadn't seen it in a while. I didn't. I, I, I guess I'm gone a lot of times now when these specials are on, on on in the evenings. I don't really get to see them. How the Grinch Stole Christmas, not the movie, the cartoon, ladies and gentlemen. Great, great stuff Dahoodorus uh, Welcome Christmas come this way Rudolph Rudolph the red nosed reindeer. Um You know the the Rankin Bass stuff of course, Frosty the Snowman is a Rankin-Bass cartoon. The, the, the stop-motion stuff, that, that claymation, it's not really claymation, though. It's more like little models being animated, I guess. it does not I don't think they're clay, though. That stuff kind of always still to this day, it, it makes me feel uneasy. I don't know, there's something about the... I don't know. It, but Rudolph is a classic. You can't not like Rudolph, the island of misfit toys, an elf that wants to be a dentist. I mean, come on. A Santa Claus that's just a jerk. That is the one time where I'm like, Santa, really? You gonna hate on Rudolph or his red nose? You are gonna kinda be that way? Uh, yeah, Santa Claus never really came off super great for the most part in that movie. Um, and, and I forget, I always forget how long Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer is. But it's a classic. You can't help but watching it. Then you jump into your Christmas movies. And, I, and I'm going to mention two right now that you may not be familiar with. The first one is a movie called The Night They Saved Christmas. The Night They Saved Christmas. It was a made-for-TV movie. If I remember correctly, it came on uh, ABC a, a while back. And for some, we, we recorded it, and as kids, absolutely it loved this movie when you believe enough in someone um just it, i don't know there's something about it. it it's a neat movie it's about a family who there is an oil driller and he there's they're trying to blast in an area that's going to mess up north pole city where santa claus is from they live up in alaska area or something i don't know way way up north and uh, it's, I'm trying to remember the name of the lady who's like the leading lady in there. She was like a big 80s star kind of thing. If you know what I'm talking about, then you're yelling at me right now. You're screaming at the top of your lungs. It was her! Um, but it, it was just, it was so neat to see them get into the North Pole. It's one of the first times that you see a science to the North Pole more than a magic to the North Pole you don't take away the magic of it but there's a there's a certain we're more technologically advanced than you could imagine here when you get to the North Pole I mean Santa beams in off the side of his sled into homes that have no uh, no chimneys Claudia Bal- uh, Claudia Baldwin was played she was the main lead was played by Jacqueline Smith art Carney played Santa Claus, and now you want to talk about a grumpy Santa Claus, the elves are walking around um, singing uh, jingle bells, and he uh, he comes in, no more jingle bells, directed by Jackie Cooper of all people, uh, Perry White from the Superman movies, Ma- Mason Adams, and Mason Adams played a guy named Sumner Murdoch, and he's one of those guys, he's got one of those faces that you know you've seen him somewhere, you just can't remember where you've seen him from. And, uh, and he's played mean guys, he's played nice guys, he's played it all. Uh, I'm trying to, someone's going to know Mason Adams the minute I say his name. They're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, he's just got one of those those faces of, he's one of those people that are just in everything. You know, TV shows, he's been in Matlock, in Murder, She Wrote, he's been in Family Matters, he's been in... Um, uh, well, the West Wing uh, more recently, um, and Oz, I mean, yeah, look, he's been in everything, but he is, uh, he's just one of those faces, he played the big boss of, of the fella that was the driller, you know, and his family, and, and so they end up having to go up, and, and they have to convince Dad and the company not to it, dynamite in this one area, because it'll destroy Santa Claus and what he's got going and um, just a, it's just, I don't know, it's cheesy to watch now, but it was good stuff back in the day. Home Alone is a great Christmas movie, and it is a Christmas movie. I absolutely love Home Alone. You know, I know Macaulay Culkin's had his stuff go on in his life, and I hate that form. But, I hey, Home Alone is just, a, it's still to this day, I love watching Home Alone. Just a great Christmas movie. Elf, Will Ferrell's Elf has become a new Christmas standard for me. I just like smiling. Smiling's my favorite. It's just a great movie, and and that Zoe chick. Oh my gosh, crush on her. She is so cute, and uh, and I, you know, I'm just saying. I'm not, I'm not trying to get weird or anything. I'm just saying, crush on her. Uh, but I love Elf. It's so funny, and people talk about, well, there's a cheesy ending. It's supposed to be. It's a freaking Christmas story. You know, and, and here's this chick is who has a great voice and doesn't want to sing in front of people and she finally stands up and, and sings out in front of people. You people who think that's a cheesy ending could take a lesson from that movie and, and, and not be so cheesy yourself. Really so, okay, I'm fine. Um, wow, I got really riled up about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, didn't realize I was so passionate about that movie. Didn't realize that was within me there. Um, Another Christmas classic is A Christmas Story. And they play this 24 hours every year on TNT and from, from Christmas Eve to Christmas Day. And, oh, my, Lanta, what a great, great movie. There's something about it because it's a period piece. It, it does what, you know what, and, and this is going to get a lot of gasps, and, I, and, I'm, and I'll be able to hear you in a moment. I'm not a big fan of The Wonder Years. Because the Wonder Years always makes me sad to watch them for some reason, it really depresses me. A Christmas story is done the way the Wonder Years is, but it works for me. And I just absolutely, right, you know, right up to the end, ra, 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 ra. I, you can't get away with that in movies anymore. But the Christmas story is a great movie. They, they originated the tongue on the pole bit that got repeated in Dumb and Dumber later on. Um, um, you know, we've already said you'll shoot your eye out, kid. We, you know, I mean, that, that reference Once has been here on the show already. It was a great story. I forget who I got the email from. Um, I will try to find it while I'm sitting here. He me the email, and he sent pictures in that look of his granddad. From, that are, and his granddad was a kid around the same period of time that, uh, that this was all set. Looked just like Ralphie from Freaking Christmas Story. It was uncanny. Like, I almost wanted to accuse the guy of just Photoshopping this Ralphie kid's head onto pictures of his granddad, but it was uncanny how much this man looked like that little boy. And so it was... I just love that movie. There's such a there's, a... there's a neat innocence to it, you know? I mean, there is a neat the funny stuff to me and even some of the funny stuff that people have I I love the part where he cusses in front of his dad while they're changing the tire and that sort of thing and um, there's the mouth being washed out with soap there's the there's the whole gotta muster up some tears just the way he does things it was so written from a kid's it's almost like a kid narrated it you know and said this is what would happen if this went on Um, but then there is the ultimate Christmas vacation Uh, Chevy Chase National Lampoon's Christmas vacation (sighs) so quotable so stinking quotable we're going to have the hap hap happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby danced with Danny and Kay um, <clears throat> Merry Christmas Merry Christmas Merry Christmas kiss my butt kiss my butt kiss his butt Happy Hanukkah I mean you can't so funny so many little things my, my favorite stuff is with Eddie because I know people who are like Eddie and, uh, and he says can I get you anything Eddie more eggnog something to eat Take you out in the middle of nowhere and leave you for dead. No, I'm just fine, Clark. Uh, (laughs) Could you pass me some more of that? Because it is good. Um, You know, know, just the whole concept of who Eddie is trips me out because I've got a friend that's just like Eddie. So, I mean, Christmas Vacation is such a quote. It's quotable, and that's kind of, that is its staying power. Is, is the quotability of it. It is funny. It really is funny to watch. And it's one of those movies that the more people you have watching it with you, the funnier it is. You know, it, and I guess that's the true with any comedy, but there are some comedies that I can seriously sit there by myself and watch and laugh and enjoy. Christmas Vacation is one of those that if the more people I have with me, the funnier this thing gets because each person looks at the, a different character in that once they get around the table and once they're standing out in the lawn, They look at the different characters in different ways, and they all relate to these people in in different ways. And so I I just love Christmas Vacation. Those are all much-watched movies for me around the Christmas season. I was recently given by our good friend Dave Jones, good friend of the podcast who we've read his Christmas list earlier, a copy of the Star Wars Holiday Special. Next year we'll talk about it. I don't have it in me to talk about it this year. Oh, my lanta. How... I don't I don't know I mean it's like I don't know I, I hate to be one of those guys that can't really describe what he's thinking of something I've got to watch it again but I don't want to it, it tries in moments to be very Star Wars-ish but in other moments it's very Sid and Marty Kaufman I mean it really is there are things that there's no sense in a Jefferson Starship appearance in this movie there's one part that's just really weird with Chewie's dad watching some fantasy woman and some of the things she says. So Mark Day Hamill Day has the makeup caked Day on. So Uber thick. Carrie Fisher. Everyone seems to think she was hammered. Um, I would think I would have to be too to stand around a bunch of wookies in robes and sing what she's saying. The interesting use of the Star Wars John Williams music being put behind these songs that were sung because it was a musical, which was kind of weird, but, um... Art Carney's in that, too, by the way. No wonder he was a grumpy Santa. Uh, but it is... It, Harvey corman has got some funny bits in there. You know, it's classic 70s TV, but it's just really... We'll have to talk about it next year. So, um, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time on this special episode of of, of Geek Out Loud, this Christmas edition. I, I want to say this. You know, I know that... Um, I hope no one's been offended by me doing a Christmas special. I know that there are people who are apparently offended by christmas and i want to say this and and allow me to get serious for a bit if i can i understand not celebrating christmas i understand for religious reasons and that sort of thing not celebrating christmas i don't understand people who have a problem with christmas I understand being depressed around the holidays. I understand people who who have a hard time making it through the holidays because they may be alone or they may be hurting or, or whatever the case may be. I don't understand having animosity toward Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. I love Christmas lights. I love Christmas trees. I love, I love tacky Christmas decorations. I love beautiful Christmas decorations. I, I love a simple wreath on a door. Christmas is just an awesome time of the year for me. I thoroughly, thoroughly, I love nativity scenes. Some get really cheesy but I enjoy them. I mean, I appreciate what going on there I, I just really love this time of year it's such a good time of the year and, and you know it stinks to know that uh, there are people and my heart goes out to those of you who who do find this time of year hard to get through and I don't blame you for that I understand why it's hard for you if because there's some people who've lost loved ones. there are people who remember the old days. they remember you know friends and they remember family members. they just wish we were still here and, and it becomes harder and harder. And so my heart goes out to you if you're in that boat this year and I hope that you can find the joy that the holiday season should bring you. Um, but I don't understand people who are anim- who have animosity toward Christmas. I don't understand people who look at an anti scene and think that their rights have been infringed upon. because if you are offended by goodwill, and peace on earth toward men, then, um, or peace on earth and goodwill toward men rather, if you're offended by that, then it's like the comedian Brad Stein says, you've got issues so deep, you can't get at them with a jackhammer. Um, you know, I, I don't, I never try to get preachy. I don't want to get preachy. You know what I do for a living and, and my, what I am and who I am is, is real no secret. But I want to say this, that, that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt now, when you drive past a yard or you drive past a building and there's a nativity scene out front that what that baby represents is not the people you see on TV spouting all types of religious trite the baby that's in that manger doesn't represent um, the views of, of this preacher or that preacher or this religion or that religion the baby in that, rep- in that manger what it represents is man having peace with the Creator man finding something within himself or man finding something greater than himself and making it a part of himself. You know, it doesn't. That baby does not represent religion. That baby does not represent um, any type of liturgy. That child represents in that manger. It represents a faith, and it represents us reaching out to something or someone who is greater than us reaching out to us because we could not reach out far enough to him. And so, you know. I I understand if you don't believe I understand if if you don't celebrate that but I don't understand if you have a problem with it and you have animosity towards it because what that child represents is a love greater than any will ever know and again I don't mean I'm sorry I've gotten too preachy but I, I just feel like I say all that to say this That whether you're celebrating Hanukkah, whether you're celebrating nothing, whether you're celebrating Yule, which is Christmas, or whether you're celebrating Christmas in the way we traditionally think about Christmas, whatever you're celebrating, from the bottom of my heart, I wish you the joys of Christmas. I wish you a Merry Christmas. I wish you a Happy New Year. And I thank you deeply for being a part of the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe. It means a lot to me that you would turn on your iPod and for an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours, just listen to me drawn on about things that really don't have any bearing on life as we know it, as we go through it. So thank you for that. And and it makes my Christmas warmer knowing that um, that you're listening. And, and I just really appreciate you. And so I wanted to give something back. And now I want to say this. Uh, I have a friend, and you know him. His name is Derek, and Derek has, over the past year or so, graciously allowed me to come on and host with him Starkville House of L, a Smallville podcast. And then together at the beginning of this year, we began or we started the Skynix podcast about Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Derek, when I came on to SHU, when I came on to Smallville, when I came on to Starkville House of L, in their forums, Derek went in and he set up a place for the Geek Out Loud listeners and audience to celebrate our geekdom. It was a safe place on in a forum for us to geek out. And we did, and we had a good time with that. And then as the forums moved, uh, they maintained that. He maintained that. And that brings in my other friend, Graham. And Graham was so gracious to, in, in the boards that he set up, allow that section to remain. And it helped expand our listening audience a little bit, and it helped me meet more of you. And it's been fun, and it's been good. And I just, through talking to someone, through thinking about about some things, I I just kind of came to the point, you know, maybe it's time for me to branch out on my own. Nothing scandalous, nothing, you know, there's no controversy in this. It's just that what Graham and Derek have done for me, hopefully we can do for other people. And we are going to start, we have started, uh, the Geek Out Loud forums. You can find those at geekoutpodcast.com forward slash forums geekoutpodcast.com forward slash forums go register we've got mods in place we've got everything we need in place there's a nice little christmas theme that'll be there through the new year and um go down and and go to the about the forum section read the rules get to know what's going on and then just jump in and let's have some fun and uh and i want to say sincerely to you guys Derek and graham thank you for all that you've done for me and done for this show without without smallville without starkville house of l without Skynex, there would be no geek out loud as we know it today and i mean that sincerely and so i thank you guys for all that you've done and uh and graham will be on the podcast at some point in 2009 you know derek will be back on geek out loud before you know it um we do have some fun stuff lined up for you having said all that um Let me hear how your Christmas went at geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at at gmail.com. I'm going to try to do some blog updates over the next couple of weeks or so and uh, and be in contact with you, the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe, via the blog at geekoutonline.com. Guys, sincerely, from the bottom most depths of my soul, Merry Christmas. I hope it's a good one for you. And... um, and I hope that we just have a blast in 2009. New Year's resolutions, you know, whatever you got going on. I just, I pray for you and I pray that it's the best. I wish, I wish you blessings and Merry Christmas this year. And good night, Mrs. Ocmonic, wherever you are. Child, what have you been longing for?